Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teachings from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by the Word of God as we discover together what our Heavenly Father wants us to understand. If you would like more information about our church, how to know Jesus as your Savior, or teachings from the Bible, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, when we think about your knowledge, it's just awesome. It's powerful to think about that. Just because you know everything about us, and you know everything that we've done, and you know everything we're doing, and everything we will do, and even more than that, you know all the possible things we could have done, and their ramifications, and all of the future choices we could make, and their ramifications. Lord, we're just awestruck by that. And Lord, all we need today is a little bit of that knowledge, knowledge about how we should live and how we should live this week. So, Lord, that's why we open Your Word, because we value it as our authority for faith and for practice. We know that it is the inspired Word of You, and we're thankful that You've given us Your Word, and we ask that as we open it up, You would give us a piece of Your knowledge, a piece of truth that we can apply to our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Psalm 145 is the only psalm in all of the book of Psalms that is called a psalm of David. Other psalms are called a prayer of David or of David. There are a lot of psalms written by David and have his name on them, but there's only one that says a psalm of David. It is also one of the nine acrostic psalms. Now, an acrostic psalm is one where you have the letters of the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet, and each verse, we have it divided into verses, each verse starts with a new Hebrew letter. So Aleph is your first letter, and Bet is your second letter. And so each verse starts with those letters. It's an acrostic psalm. But this psalm in particular is talking about how awesome God is and, and the power of awe is what we're going to look at today as we read this particular passage. You know, I think that people who just got saved, they have a little bit up on us when it comes to this power of awe. Because everything is just new. It's like putting on spiritual glasses and seeing the world for the first time in this new way. And they go, whoa, that is so cool. Oh, wow, there's God again. Whereas some of us who've been Christians for a long time, we kind of get used to the holy things. Sometimes we take the holy things for granted, the prayer, the, the healing that happens in a person's life, or the miracle that takes place over here. And it sometimes can become commonplace in our thinking. It's especially important for you as a young person not to allow the, the awesomeness of God to become commonplace. Any of us can do it. But if you grow up in the church, sometimes you, you feel like, oh, well, this is just common, and we lose this awesome power that comes with the awe of seeing God. And that's what we're going to see today in this passage. I'm actually going to read all 21 verses while you stand, if you would, please. It says at the beginning of this psalm, Psalm 145, a song of praise, but it's a psalm of David. Verse 1 starts with Aleph. We won't go through the whole Hebrew alphabet here, but verse 1 says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. 
On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are failing, falling, and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in, his, in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. The awesomeness of God. It's interesting when we talk about being in awestruck of God. It's not just having a feeling that's tied into ourself. Oh, I just feel good today. It's somehow this this feeling that we have, this awesome feeling that we have when we get in contact with God in a very specific way, particularly when we see God's glory. We're going to see the word glory mentioned several times in this passage. This word glory is who God is. It's magnifying His knowledge or His presence, omnipresence, magnifying His sovereignty, His love and His care. When, we, when those are magnified and we see those things magnified, we are just drawn to this sense of awe. Now, I believe that if we get in contact with the awe of God's glory, two things in particular will happen to us. One is we will become more tender, and secondly, we'll become more bold, tender and bold in our lives when we experience the awe of God. But it's tied very closely into His glory. Let's look at verse 5 where it says there, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. There's a sense I'm going to ruminate on this. I'm going to ponder this. I'm going to consider this. And when I, what I'm doing is I'm thinking about the glorious splendor of your majesty. Just how amazing that is to think about how glorious God is. To just meditate on it. He says down in verse 11, he says these words, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. The word glory is mentioned several times here, and the idea is that when we get in contact with God's glory, we say, wow, or awe, we're in awe of that. There are two Hebrew words for glory in particular that I want to look at today. One is the word kabod. That's the word used here. It has that idea of being heavy. So it's the weight, the weight of the presence of God. It's just so weighty. It's so much weight that you just feel like, oh, I feel overwhelmed 
When I just experience the weight of God's glory, I feel so overwhelmed by it, I just, ah, oh, I say, wow, this is amazing. Maybe you've heard the, the name Ichabod in the Bible. Ichabod means the glory has departed. It comes from a story of Eli, the priest, who had two sons that he didn't discipline, the Bible says, didn't discipline well, and so they uh, rebelled against the Lord. They took the, the armies into battle, and they lost the battle, and, and the Ark of the Covenant was taken away from Judah into captivity. When the news came back to Eli, he was so upset by it, he just fell off the wall, broke his neck, and he died. These two boys' names were Hophni and Phinehas. Now, Phinehas' wife, when she heard the news, or on this day when this happened, she went into labor and gave birth to a, a little boy, and they called his name Ichabod. The glory has departed. Boy, I just want to be careful in my life. I don't want to be in a place where the glory has departed. I always want to be in that place of awe where I'm connected to the glory of God. Kavod or kabod. Heavy, the weighty presence of God. Wow, what an amazing thing. Now, there's another word used for, uh, for glory in the Bible. That's the word Shekinah. It's also used in reference to the Ark of the Covenant because the Shekinah glory of the Lord, this, the Shekinah glory is the brilliance of God's glory, whereas Kabod is the weight of God's glory. We need both of those. The brilliance is this bright light of God's glory. And, and so with the, the Ark of the Covenant, the cloud would come down, the very presence of God in the midst of the people that they would enjoy and appreciate. And then when they were to be led to go to the next place, the cloud would lift and they would follow that cloud. And if it was at night, there was a pillar of fire, the Shekinah glory of God, the, the brilliance of His glory. I wonder if the people may have sometimes taken that for granted, that they were in the very presence of God, uh, experiencing the, the kabod or the Shekinah glory of God. Another story where we see the glory of God is the one where Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. And you remember he came back down from the mountain, and the Bible says that his face was so brilliant and bright that people couldn't, didn't know or couldn't look at him directly, so he put a veil over his face. Just the Shekinah glory. When you've been with the Lord, there's this brilliant presence about you that's so attractive. It's interesting that Paul describes this and tells us a little more of the story than we see in the Old Testament. And I want to read this passage to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And he's going to compare the Old Covenant, that is with Moses and the Ten Commandments and the stone and so on, with the New Covenant and the Holy Spirit and the power of God in the present age. And how there's glory in both of them. Let's just see what he says. Now, if the ministry of death, he's talking about the law, which, uh, which condemns us, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. In other words, fading. The glory that was on Moses' face was fading away, but the people couldn't look at it. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? That's where we are today, experiencing the glory of God in an even greater way than Moses did. For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the old law, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, 
What once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. So well, the glory that was present in the Old Testament with the, the Ark of the Covenant and Moses' brilliant face, all of that glory that we saw was nothing compared to the great glory that we see today in the brilliance of God as we connect with him. That's what he's saying here. And then he says this, very interesting. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, that is the law, much more will be... what will what is permanent have glory? Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. So this is part of this boldness we see when we understand the glory of God. We just want to tell people because we can see life differently. Did you see it, we want to say? Don't miss it. Is what we're, there's a boldness about us. Not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. In other words, it was fading and he didn't want people to see that it was fading. Oh, it reminds me about how sometimes we, the glory of the Lord is fading in our faces, and we put on a mask sometimes, don't we? Someone says, oh, how you doing? On a scale of one to ten, you say, um, well, uh, my problems, I would say my problems are like a one or a two, when really, if we ask them and we think about it a little bit more, our problems really are maybe about an eight or a nine. But sometimes we put on a mask that Makes people think we have more glory than we actually have. We're actually needy people, much in need of, of the presence and glory of God. And Moses had, would put on this veil so people wouldn't see that it was diminishing. What an interesting part of the story. Do you know uh, that one out of 12 men are colorblind? One out of 200 women are colorblind? Which means when they look at things, they can call, maybe sometimes say it, that that's a particular color, but they're generally looking at grays and browns and different uh, parts of that. Um, but there's a new technology out today where you can put on glasses and you can actually see color. And there are a number of videos uh, on YouTube where, um, that are showing what happens when someone sees color for the first time. I was just so amazed. I looked at many of them this week. I was just crying. Because many of the people, they're seeing color for the first time, and they're crying. They just feel overwhelmed. It's like it reminds me of this kabod, this awesome, weighty presence of the glory of God. You just, I don't know what to do with this. This is so amazing. I want to show you a video uh, of a 12-year-old boy who sees color for the first time. And as I'm seeing this, I, I'm just reminded of how when a person becomes a Christian and they see the spiritual world for the first time, there's this overwhelming sense of God's glory. Watch this. I want you to point to each one and tell me what color they are, okay? It's like a green, a dark green. Okay, dark green. Okay. Well, try your gift out, buddy, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this works. I know we all said a prayer. Look at the camera. Now, those look pretty cool. <laughs> Do I look any different? Do I really? Your hair looks different. Really? Okay. Well, let's look at the balloons and see. Uh... Oh my gosh! Look at me. Are they different? Are they really? Oh, is it way different? Oh 
Tell me about it, buddy. So it looks different. Do you know what these colors are now? That's red. It yes. Is. <laughs> yes. How did you know? That's yellow. That's yellow. Yes. Oh my gosh. Completely not scripted. My family will know that, but purple. that's purple. Orange. Yes. Green. Yes, Zach. You can see them. You can yeah. see them, buddy. Leave them on. Leave them on. Is it freaking you out? <laughs> I, I just cried when I, I, I watched these. I, I just... For someone to see the world a different way than they've seen it all their life is just so stunning to me. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know there's a whole other world waiting. There's a whole different way to view the world. And when you put on those spiritual glasses and you actually see what God has done for you and what He is doing for in our world today, you go, whoa, this is so cool. This is so different. This is so interesting. This is awe, the power of awe. I, we all need that in our lives. It just it changes who we are. It grows us. And in the passage, as, as David is writing this psalm, this song, he lists many things about the glory of God that, that are part of this awe, seeing life for the first time maybe, or in David's case, he's seen it so much, but he's drawing his attention forever and ever, he says. Let's go back and look at verse 6 uh, um, down at the bottom. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. Verse 14, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. That is awesome. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. That's remarkable. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. That's amazing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. Wow. The Lord is near to all who calls on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. There's a, he's just listing all these things that, that draw us into this awesome sense of God's glory. Because when we see the glory of God and the power of God, we see it all demonstrated, we go, wow, this is awesome. Now, some people miss this whole thing. They, they it's a, a, make a mistake in their lives. And Paul describes this glory in Romans chapter 1. And he says they make a mistake because they start looking at the, the things God made instead of God himself. And they start finding glory in the things God made instead of God himself. And so they miss the glory of God because they're distracted by the glory of the things he's made. Let's just look at the passage. He says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from his workmanship, so that men are without excuse. What he's saying here is that, that even a person who's never heard about Jesus can look out and see that there's a creator out there. His workmanship is clearly seen, and there's no excuse to deny the existence of God himself. We call that general revelation. It goes to everybody, general revelation. But then there's specific revelation. When you get to know Jesus Christ, it's very specific. And you understand who he is and what he's done for us. 
without excuse. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and darkened in their foolish hearts. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images of mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. They got more focused on the creation, all the things. If you just think about all the things God provides for you and me, I am so grateful for this. And I'm so grateful for that relationship and that thing I have and, and that other thing I have. And we start focusing on the things and we miss the awesomeness of God. We miss the fact that God is the one who gave us those things for our own lives. And, and we need to go past the creation, past the provision to the very presence of God. And exchange the glory of a mortal God for images of mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. We've got to get back to worshiping the creator. In fact, God has given us a, a discipline or an activity that we can do that increases the awe in our lives. It is called worship. When we come to worship the Lord corporately, it's a great experience we have because we, we sing together and we just enjoy that worship. But that's only the practice sessions for during the week. I hope you're taking this home and, and you're singing these songs at home and you're uh, looking out at creation and you're saying, yes, there's a God behind this creation and you're worshiping God and enjoying Him because it's in that awe worship experience that you get this power that comes from that it just it does something to us when I think about Isaiah in Isaiah 6 who had a vision he's before the um, before the throne of God and the angels are there and holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty and the glory shown around it says and what does he do he falls to the ground and he says I am a man of unclean lips I think when we come into the very presence of God and we see His glory, we're drawn to our own vocabulary. We're, we're drawn to the way we use our mouths. I don't know. Was He swearing? Was He mean to people? Was He just saying, I'm unclean and my lips are part of that? I don't know what He's saying. But an angel comes and brings a coal and touches His lips. I do believe that if we get a handle on the glory of God, if we can even capture a piece of that, and we're so awestruck by that that the awe does this thing inside of us that makes us more tender people, that we're less likely to, to be harsh or critical or mean when we understand how big God is and how, how grand He is. We understand His glory. We, it affects us in a very practical way. It touches our mouths, and we're more careful. We're more tender with other people. In the New Testament, the, the Greek word for glory is the word doxa, which is revealed greatness, where we get our word doxology from. When Paul was on the road to, to Damascus to capture more Christians, God knocked him off of his horse with this brilliant light. That was a transformation for Saul. Just a transformation. He became a, he was already a bold guy, but now he focuses his boldness on serving the Lord. That's what the glory of the Lord does for us. When we see the glory of the Lord and we focus on what he's done and what he's doing, we're just so drawn into that and we experience his greatness in such a powerful way, we're just awestruck. We need more of that in our lives. We must pause regularly in our lives to worship the Lord, pause regularly to experience the awe of God's glory as we look around in our lives. This week in VBS, 
Linda Jeans was in one of the groups that rotated. So all the groups rotated into her class. And one of her tasks was to identify God's sightings with the kids. So the kids would report, here's a God sighting. Here's one, uh, where I saw God today or this week. And if they did identify a God sighting, they could take a sticker and put it up on the mural that they had there, a God sighting. Uh, what a great way to experience the awe of God. That God isn't just something we experience on Sunday, but we see these God sightings in the course of our day, in the course of our week. We open God's Word and we read it and we see something new that we never saw before regularly. We go, oh, that is so cool. That we pray and we see God answer a prayer. And when He does, we say, God, you are so awesome. Sometimes God just reminds us of something in the course of the day, or, or maybe He even uh, works out something. And we go, God, you are so great. It's those God moments, those God's sightings that we need that draw us in like David is being drawn into the psalm, and he's saying, I'm going to do this forever and ever. I'm going to recognize how great and glorious God is. I'm going to show you another video of, a, of another man who, th this uh, gentleman um, also sees color for the first time. And uh, I was so taken by this particular video because this guy just can't get over it. I mean, he's just pondering this. Now, I'm going to jump into the video about a minute after he puts the glasses on for the first time, so he was crying at first. But now, just watch how he's just pondering life with these new glasses on. <laughs> wow. It is really different, huh? Apparently, this is what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> serious. I've just got to try this. I mean, I can actually see the flowers. What color are they, Ty? I think purple. I don't know what yeah. colors look like, really. What do they look like without, without it? Just really faded. They look really faded. Do they still have a purple shade oh, to them? Wow. You're not, not, really, you're not supposed to tell. pull it up and down too much. Because you've got to let them, you've got to let them uh, oh work. Oh my goodness. Serious, is that what it looks like? <laughs> That's it. What about the... It's what not the glasses bacon? either because I just tried them ones. What about the greens? Yeah, everything's really vibrant. What? <laughs> wow! <laughs> those, those other is that seriously like what you word, normally see? <laughs> Is that what you normally see? Yes, it is. When you're a Christian, you have this, you put on these spiritual glasses and you see life in this new dimension. It is what we normally see. We see, we see it in our lives and we want to be drawing attention to that because we know that God is at work. And, and when we see that, we're just drawn into this experience of awe. It's the essence of worship is the word awe or wow. And so David ends his psalm this way. He says, My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. And each one of us needs to take that to heart and say, Okay, boy, this week I'm going to look for God's sightings. This week I'm going to focus on God's glory because it will change me if I do. The closer we get to God, the more it changes how we live in our lives. 
When Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, something very special happened. Even before we were even born, God knew that we would be here. God knew about our situations, our troubles, our challenges. He knew about our sin. And so Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we could have forgiveness of our sins. That in itself changes the picture that we look out and see. But then we start to live this Christian life and we enjoy the beauty of, of experiencing God and all of the, the challenges that take place in life and we're enjoying them and, and we're seeing God and we're going, wow, this is big. There's power in this sense of awe, something that we all need in our lives. Would you stand with me and let's pray together. Father, give us a glimpse of your glory each day. Cause us to remember to pause and to ponder you, to be on the lookout for God's sightings and to uh, be able to give you the glory. Lord, help us when we get distracted by the things that you provide for us and we forget about you, the provider. Lord, we ask that you would do a deep work in our hearts today. Change us today, Lord, for tomorrow and the next day. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.